the reality with a lot of partnerships that I've been part of, I think it's a lot harder to be a good business partner and to not micromanage each other and to not make all the decisions together, which is incredibly inefficient sometimes. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Easy. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the most intelligent Amazon scaling toolkit online. Amazon sellers need exact, quick-to-read profit reports. Many sellers already pay a lot of money for these. Eva has world-class finance analytics with crystal-clear graphs included at no extra cost. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers, averaging a 51% increase in profits. To get a 15-day free trial, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Take conversation might be brief today, but we've got one topic that I think is going to be fun, and that is what's the single biggest thing you can do when you're starting out to really scale up quickly and effectively? Now, Michael, you might have some thoughts and ideas on this. I do as well. So I'm happy to lead off with my first big suggestion for how best to scale up. But you want to go first? Either way, Fielder's Choice, your choice. Please go ahead. Uh, that, that sounds good. Let's hear your thoughts. It's an interesting topic. I think it's yeah, much needed discussion, actually. So I'm glad you to- chose it so far away, man. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah. So the the thing that I think is crucial when you're starting out is to figure out how to add a team member and figuring out how to add a team member gives you a cascading sort of ripple of positive benefits that impact your business. And I know when you're just starting out, you're like, I don't make any money yet. I don't have anything organized yet. I don't have really my details sorted out yet. But for all of those reasons, quickly adding a team member to your e-commerce operation will give you the clarity you need to sort out three or four or five really key things. And so for me, my way of thinking, adding a team member is absolutely the first and biggest leverage point that you can add into your business early. And as soon as you do it, you'll be tapping into other people's time and other people's skill sets and really figuring out how to work on your business and design it rather than just working in your business as a technician. So that's my hot take for the number one thing you can do to scale up. Michael, I'd love your point of view on it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm right. Tell me if you've got other ideas for how best to (laughs) to scale up quickly at the beginning, which is, I'd say, the first year of e-commerce, whether you're doing retail arbitrage or uh, some other business model. What do you think? I think like a lot of things, it depends. It's interesting that you go to people as the very first thing. I, I certainly think at a certain stage, business people are the biggest constraint to growth i guess if you look at scaling so what stops scaling is, is three constraints cash time and including other people's time of course and energy i guess in time you can include how effective you are at getting a result in a certain time so somebody who spent their life photoshopping beautiful images for e-commerce pictures is going to do it 10 times faster than you or i might do for example so included for me it's interesting that you go to people first i would say before you add people you need to be able to afford that extra overhead if you're adding a permanent team member or even if you're adding a direct cost of some kind you need to be able to afford that so for me cash is the first constraint to overcome really and the phrase that springs to mind always in this 
scenarios, growth sucks cash from um, scaling up by Vern Harnish. The word scaling is in the title, so it's obviously relevant. And I think so sources of cash and cash flow are really important. So I think if you're really in the first year, to be honest, you may want to radically rejig your business before you get stuck in a rut, as you said in, in a podcast a while ago, Jason, that be careful which rut you choose, you'll be in it a long time. So if you have set things up with a business that is very capital intensive, working capital intensive, for example, what I used to really focus on and still have the most experience in importing private label products from China, then I think you need to rethink <laughs> from scratch and think about setting up a business where the cash flow is in your favor. If you can get paid in advance, so negative uh, you know, cash flow cycles, if, in other words, like with drop shipping, if you can make that business model work, then that's amazing for scalability. I've got a client who's an example of that. He's got a Shopify business who scaled to about £300,000, about half a million dollars in his first year in business because of that ca cash flow characteristic, I think. So yeah. interesting. <laughs> More no, than one I way totally, to skin a cat, as they say. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The question is, do you have the cash flow in your business to afford something, whether it's more product or to ideally pay yourself or to do some advertising, do some AMS if you're on Amazon or to, to do something. Here's my thing though. If you have in your mind that you want to add a team member and to your point, it could be a contractor, a VA, somebody from Fiverr, or Upwork, any uh, online jobs, PH, any, any level of contract services, it puts the demand on you to create cash to pay them. And that is a fantastic leverage point. So you say to yourself at the very beginning, my business has to pay someone $400 a month. Therefore, my business has to earn a unit of $400 a month. I love that uh, line of thinking and the impetus that that creates in your business to do something effective other than just having a bit of money that you would then put into maybe more product or maybe feel like I'll just keep that and I don't know what will happen and magically it goes out the door through some other random expense. So I take your completely, but I, I do think that from my way of thinking, this idea of adding a team is, is critical. And I'll just say one other bit, and then I'd love your point on this as well, your point of view. The team member doesn't necessarily have to be paid. You could just add it. You could literally create a team. You could have a partner and the partner could be adding all of their time and energy to help you scale the business in exchange for some future 50-50 split or something like that. And that piece of it's another option. And a business partner can be a huge blessing. It can also be a huge burden. <laughs> so you want to think that through carefully. But that that level of adding a person is also something that could be appropriate as well. So any thoughts on partnerships as a part of that solution? Yeah, it's a very good point. I guess what you're doing there is you're adding the time, the constraints that I'm putting out, time or, or mental energy or skills, all of which are constraints as well. If you bring a person with the right skills and they own a piece of the business, then you don't have to pay them cash. The only thing I would say is equity is in the long term, it's in the short term, not a cash problem, but in the long term, the most expensive form of funding. So giving away half of your company or whatever you think it is, is a very big cost that people enter into, I think probably fairly too lightly, not because it's the wrong decision always. Sometimes it can be amazing if you've got the right partner, as you say, but because they don't think about the long-term ramifications of it. One halfway house, which may be of some comfort to people, and I would be much, much quicker to enter this kind of arrangement, would be something like this. I had a guest recently, Josh Dietrich, who's recently sold a business or just in the process of finalizing an eight-figure sale of an Amazon serious private label custom product business. And one constraint he was finding 
wasn't in the first year of business it was in early stages so maybe three four five years in that he was just not getting enough products out of the door because he needed somebody he was focused on product development and they was launching i don't know a handful of products a quarter and he got his brother came along to a las vegas conference on on amazon and was really blown away by the whole business model and so his brother sourced stuff and basically in return for a sort of percentage of the uh, profits that were made on the product so that was quite a risk for his brother to to make that effort in return for that very uncertain cash that worked out very well and then josh and his business partners took on the brother as an employee not as a partner i believe although there may have been elements of that later the next step was to pay him as a full-time member of staff so then the risk reverted more back to josh and his team that his brother became an overhead to the business and thus had to generate more income and profit than he was a cost and that worked out very well. So that's an interesting stepping stone. There's nothing that stops you after that than looking at equity options. So I thought that was a very interesting story. Not often heard of an arrangement like that. It requires a lot of mutual trust, but that sort of thing doesn't mean giving up equity and it's less of a kind of hardwired arrangement, meaning if it doesn't work, everyone can walk away from it and, yeah. and move up to the options. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that's really creative. And I think your family... Yeah being woven into your business is a two-edged sword, but it definitely can add the source of free additional help at the beginning. And if you have a family member you work with effectively, or you really can click with, I think that's a fantastic idea. Obviously we started uh, online together. My wife and I did in 2007. I was really her supporter, helper, marketer, and she was a technical focused person. And I, I think there's huge value and benefit there. And even with one of your children or your spouse or a brother or sister who's willing to help you, it makes you do all the things I mentioned. It makes you say, how do I have my system sorted out? How, how do I do F, you know, FAQs or, or process steps that someone else can take on? And how do I integrate other people's time into this business in a way that makes it uh, successful? I think that's, I think that's valuable. I, I would say also, as it relates to equity and a formal partnership, you have to ask yourself the question, is the potential outcome better than the potential risk? And some people have said in a hope diamond is better than uh, a full ownership of nothing uh, or a chunk of coal. I think it was Warren Buffett who said something along those lines. Is adding a partner going to be uh, accretive or additive to your business more than it takes away and detracts. And the, the logic there is that we all know stories of businesses that have gone to scale seven figures, eight figures, nine figures, and billion dollar companies. And you look back at the founders, and if there were three founders or five founders or six founders together, it didn't matter because there's so much money in that kind of business at that kind of scale that everyone wins if it's structured well and everyone's a good partner and everyone does their part. And I think that's the risk reward calculus there is could we get to seven or eight figures? And if we did, then would my partial ownership of a business be better than being a hundred percent owner of a $200,000 a year you know, e-commerce business. So that's the thinking, I think, as it relates to that question of partnership. So yeah. The whole partnership thing is a way of getting temporarily getting around the cash and time equation. In other words, I haven't got enough cash to employ somebody full-time or engage them part-time is expensive labor. 
and I haven't got enough time to scale this business. And I take your point and you're right. 20% of something amazing is much better than 100% of something rubbish. And you're absolutely bang on with that. No, no arguments here. The only thing I would say is if it's in the first year, and if you're being specific about that metric or the first year and a half, I, I think it's very hard to tell if somebody's going to be that diamond that's going to make your business blow up or not. I would very strongly advise. I mean, it's very different for you. You've been married to Cinnamon for years, if I may say so, have strong faith, which would probably give me, I, I don't have faith, but I'm very happy doing business with people with faith because they have a moral and ethical framework that you understand. So you had very strong reasons to believe that you could trust each other. And that's quite a common thing of husband and wife partnership for good reasons. Again, it can cut two ways. But I would say, other than that, I would ease my way into it. I, I would work my way through different arrangements. Profit share can be a very a, a good sort of stepping stone, I think. And Josh Dietrich's unusual but very logical um, way of doing it with his brother thought it was very good. The other thing I would say is that the risk with a partnership is actually, to your point about SOPs and things, this is interesting where this conversation is going, by the way. This is quite a free flame. I like it because this is the sort of reality that you have to wrestle with, isn't it? So strategic decisions. The reality with a lot of partnerships that I've been part of, and that's probably because I don't know how to do it well. But nevertheless, I think it's a lot harder to be a good business partner and to not micromanage each other and to not make all the decisions together, which is incredibly inefficient sometimes relative to being a good boss which is obviously not an easy art either and i'm not claiming i'm great at that but at least it's easier to say you do this job i do this job we pay you you deliver x it's a clearer situation i think so yeah i think partnerships can be incredibly successful to your point absolutely i just think there's real art to getting it right and i think it's a lot harder than yeah. it looks from the outside that's all i would say no totally 100 percent agree both things are, it's that's hard true. to be a partner it's also hard to be a boss and I just read through or actually listened on audiobook to 8020 by Richard Koch. I had only ever heard of 8020 by Perry Marshall, which is a different 8020 book. But the original, I guess you could say 8020 by uh, Richard Koch is genius. And he taught it's all about this idea of using this uh, Pareto principle, 8020, in terms of leverage and focus. And I love his emphasis on the power of other people's time and energy and effort and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and to your point, he does stress the fact that having a team, being a team leader, it, it is a maximum opportunity for leverage, but it's also a challenging skill to learn. And that's the thing to lean into. And in your first year in business, you're trying to solve for so many challenges. You're trying to figure out how to sell on a marketplace or on your own website if you're using Shopify or tool, tool like that. You're trying to figure out your product and whether the product is priced right and packaged right and is working right. You're trying to figure out the customer and how to attract them, how to engage with them and retain them. Will they be interested in you and your brand for the long term beyond the, just the one transaction? You're brand building and on top learning about leveraging other people's time through partnership or through employment can feel like a huge set of challenges. But this is the great game of business, isn't it? And for those who can figure it out and do it, the, to the victor goes the spoils. And But the, I think one step at a time. And if you're at a point where you've got a few of the other things figured out, you've got maybe the product sorted, the platform sorted out, and you understand what the customer is doing there with your product in terms of frequency purchase and their willingness to buy, then the next question in, in my mind is, yeah, let's jump into figuring out how to have a leverage of time in your business. Okay, let's wrap it up, man. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think what you just said is absolutely right. You are trying to solve for so many things. And I think 
to the point you just made, I would like to emphasize that. And maybe we have a slightly different sort of take on this because you're very heavily weighted towards digital products with your own personal experience. I've been very much in the physical products, but I would say I'd want to get the channel, the products, the pricing, packaging, customer, social media, brand building to a fair point that's reasonably proven before I add anyone else to it. And I think for me, the biggest barrier to scaling on Amazon is actually cash, not people up to quite a high revenue. Maybe that's off Amazon, not really true because there are so many jobs to do and it's some more manual labor and you're building things more from scratch. And yeah, you own more of it, so it's better overall. But so that's interesting. I, I think you're right, though. I think at a certain yeah. point, and probably what I do see, where, where I absolutely agree with you, is that I see uh, Amazon business owners that really leave the, the question of trying to hire people and learn that skill set, even by doing it part time and doing it badly the first time just to get it out of their system. They leave that point too late. And I agree with you that actually, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, I don't think they're in their first bit, year of business. I think they're probably in their you know first three, four, five years, maybe their first million. That's a great inflection point at which you probably need to get people on board. I, t- I totally agree with that. Okay, we've got it. My number one tip to scale uh, a business up at the beginning is people, your number one tip is cash or yep. infusion of capital. Infusion of capital I mean, or engineering infusions. it such that the cash yeah. flow characteristic doesn't require yeah. an infusion of capital. It's, yeah, cash and cash flow, right. two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it, man. All right. As always, we've come to some good consensus here. And uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today on the call and or in our live broadcast into the OmniRocket Pro user community. Thanks for your support of the show. We're climbing the charts, man on the call-in uh, <laughs> app itself. If you haven't checked that app out, then feel free to hit it up and look for the e-commerce leader call-in show. We're in the top 10 in education category and in the top 20 in business and technology, I believe. And it's just an honor to be able to serve people through this app and in this uh, way. And then, of course, if you're listening to the rebroadcast of this on the e-commerce leader call-in show, thank you for your support there. Love to have your highest and best review, followership, or However, you can engage on the listener tool of choice, Spotify or or Apple or whatever you're listening on. Really appreciate your support for the show. And if you want to reach out to either of us, you can uh, reach out to Kyle Hamer and myself at OmniRocket.com. Michael Vizi, you are on AmazingFBA.com. Is that your best uh, website of choice? It is indeed. Yes, indeed. If anyone wants to come and get in touch. And by the way, I've, I actually managed to find the rating button on my Spotify app the other day. It's remarkably simple. So if you just look, folks, if you're wanting to give us a, a bit of love, then just look under the, the show episode or, or title of the show and you'll see a little button marked rating with a star on it. So just hit that and give us your highest and better rating as well. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate Thanks it. See that was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vizi in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.